Welcome to B2B Marketers on the Mission, a podcast for B2B marketers that helps you to question the conventional, think differently, disrupt your industry, and take your marketing to new heights. Each week, we talk to B2B marketing experts who share inspirational stories, discuss their thoughts on trending topics, and provide useful marketing tips and recommendations. And now, here's your host and co-founder of I'm Like Consulting, Christian Klepp. Okay, welcome everyone to this episode of the B2B Marketers in the Mission podcast, where you get your weekly dose of B2B marketing insights. This is your host, Christian Klepp, and today I am joined by someone on a mission to create unforgettable event experiences no matter where you are. So coming to us from Miami Beach, Florida, Mr. Jonathan Kazarian, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me on, Christian. All right. Great to be connected, Jonathan, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So uh, let's dive in. Let's do it. Okay. So Jonathan, you're an expert when it comes to sharing insights, I'm going to say, on how B2B companies can drive and measure growth through an event strategy. But for today's conversation, let's focus on the topic of the event attribution gap. So why do you think many B2B companies don't know how to measure if they're successful or not? Yeah, well, I mean, it stems back to really the initial uses of B2B events. And up until really 2020, data when it comes to events was basically MIA. That's completely changed over the past two years. The expectation has drastically changed. And when you look at events, they make up on average 25% of B2B marketing budgets. So it's a massive segment. And at this particular point in time where corporate budgets are shrinking, there's a greater focus on measurement and ROI, it's incredibly important that event organizers and demand gen teams understand the impact of the events that they're hosting. The mechanisms for actually being able to understand that impact, they're here today. But the biggest issue I see is that organizations go into their event program and they don't know what the purpose is of the event that they're hosting. Some events are focused on brand building. Some of them are driving leads. Some events are customer events and you're just trying to deepen the relationship with customers. Or maybe the event is an opportunity to launch a new product and find opportunities to expand sales within your existing customer base. So the first question in determining how to even measure the ROI of an event comes down to understanding why you're actually hosting that event. That makes total sense. Um, But it's interesting, uh, to your point, um, how many companies don't do that? Um, I had a follow-up question for you, Jonathan. Like, I mean, it's they're slowly coming back here in Canada. I'm talking about like in-person events because we're, you know, we're we've got um collision going on right now here in Toronto. Yeah. Um, what, what are you? Uh, and I mean, like, you know, that one. Um, they put that one on hold for about two years now. But what are you seeing? You know, in the United States, are you still seeing a combination of like, uh, you know, these hybrid events? Um, are people, you know, is in-person like completely back, or what's going on? Yeah, Ecclesian is an incredible event. I think they have about 35,000 people there right now. Um, what we're seeing across the industry is events are, are only bringing in about 55% in-person events, 55% of their 2019 attendance. So actual attendance is down fairly significantly. And there's a variety of reasons for that. Uh, one of which is that some people still aren't comfortable attending those events in person. Others realize that there's additional mechanisms, ways to access that content they didn't have in the past. Um, but the other part factor is just it's so expensive right now. It's so expensive to host the event, to attend the event. 
And again, you've got to get corporate budget approval in a world where your boss is saying, well, is there an alternative for you to access that information, to access that community, that content? So for that reason, in-person events are being impacted. However, they're very much back and we're incredibly excited to see that. The biggest change that we're seeing right now is that it's not just about those one or two flagship events per year. Organizations are thinking about their entire event program now. So what is that mix of events that are using virtual events and webinars and building that community throughout the year? In addition to field marketing and targeted events in different cities throughout the country or the world, and then bringing that all in with those couple of uh, flagship events per year. And as organizations start to think about events as, frankly, the most powerful mechanism within the company for lead gen, they are thinking about that holistic program. That's really interesting. So it means, um, if I understood you correctly, are you saying that it's eventually started to evolve beyond what events were, let's say, back in 2019? Yeah, very much so. Unfortunately for event planners, they had, many of them had half their team cut during the pandemic for obvious reasons. And they figured out how to tackle virtual events. Today, they're expected to bring back the same level of in-person events that they were doing pre-pandemic, but tacking on that that full event. So their workload has basically doubled. And really our mission is if we can make life a little bit easier for them, then we're doing what we should be doing. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So going back to the uh, you know topic of event attribution and, and trying to fix that, like talk to us about some of the common mistakes and misconceptions that you've seen out there. Yeah, so a lot of organizations just use what I call vanity metrics for measuring event success. How many registrants did we get? How many attendees did we get? But the conversation sort of stops there. Now, it's almost the same way that you would measure the success of something like a white paper, but that's not how you should be looking at events. There's thousands of data points that you're getting access to as part of that uh, that event, that program that you're putting together that you need to be looking at throughout the entire funnel of your your marketing stack. We are seeing that uh, sales operations and rev ops are involved in 50 to 60% of our enterprise uh, customer onboardings today, which is, you know, it's awesome to see that that adoption is taking place. And I think one of the other ways that uh, we're seeing organizations starting to figure this out is by bringing demand gen into the fold. So event professionals aren't saying, hey, I need to tackle this entirely on my own. Who are the other people within the organization that I need to bring into the fold so that we can work on this together and understand where the events are falling within, again, within our funnel. But in terms of some of the obstacles that we're seeing. I mean, the the first, again, is just that people are measuring the wrong things. They're just looking at those vanity metrics and not taking it a step deeper, not understanding how engaged those attendees were, what content they were looking at. For example, you may have a product launch event or a customer event, and I'll use HubSpot as an example, right? HubSpot has the sales hub, the service hub, the marketing hub. If you've got customers who are on, say, the sales hub and the marketing hub, but you notice that they're checking out a bunch of sessions related to the other hub that they're not already using. Well, that's an opportunity right there to have your account managers reaching out to those folks. And when you start to look at some more depth into understanding attendee engagement throughout the event, it allows you to basically build an attribution model on something else. The other thing is just the acceptance that you can't track everything. And that's the world of marketing, right? We get that. We know that. But you can start to think about how to build a model, a resampling model, which frankly is 
essentially what Google Analytics does to take the information that you do have and extrapolate that out further to get a better population of your event program. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. So um, basically what you're saying now is that um, the events industry per se has kind of evolved into this, um, I guess it's a, you can call it like an ecosystem, which basically means like, okay, it's not just the sole responsibility of one function or one department within an organization, but it's use, it's leveraging multiple um, departments, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the companies that we're seeing that are getting the most value out of their event programs are getting other departments involved. Maybe that's customer success. Maybe it's sales. It's definitely the rest of the marketing team. And if you as the event organizer are training your team on what to do with leads, how to follow up, what information is available to them, particularly in the case of the SDRs and the sales function, you're going to get a lot more value out of it. Often we just thought of events as, hey, we're going to host this event. We're going to collect these leads. Maybe we'll put them into some nurturing campaign, something like that. We're not acting on that information in the way that we need to be. But the companies that are, are, are able to measure the success of that and see it translate into dollars, which helps make the case for why they need to continue this, this area of focus. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So um, on to the next question, um, talk to us about a challenge and you probably have had many, but talk to us about a challenge that you and your team have managed to solve in the past 12 months. Yeah, uh, frankly, when we realized what was being put on the shoulders of event organizers, as events started to return to in-person, our entire focus has been, let's just, let's just do what we can to help them sleep at night. Events are one of the most stressful things that you can take on. I mean, there's few professions that have the sense of urgency of, of event organizers, obviously like the military and uh, ER doctors, first responders, but in the world of events, you spend three months building an experience that culminates in often three hours. You don't have 10 minutes to wait for a response. So we've put a huge focus into ensuring that our team is always there 24 seven, 365, less than 30 second response time. So that we're basically an extension of your team. The other thing that we've done is just really focused on how can the software that we're delivering be there to save you time? You know, if it's even a matter of you can download a report and format it the way you need so that you don't have to spend 20 minutes at 1 a.m. doing the lookups the night before your event, that's going to make your life better. And, and that's been our area of focus. And uh, we went down this mission of, of increasing NPS. We took our NPS from, from seven to 62 over the past uh, eight months with that real sole focus of let's see what we can do to help, help event organizers. And by doing that, it allows them to really focus on bring you back to the attribution side of things, focusing on creating that experience, creating something memorable and driving results for the business that they're best at. Did you say seven to 62 for the MPS? Yeah. Whew. Can you, can you walk us through how you manage that? If you can, <laughs> it's been, it's been frankly our, you know, our sole area of focus. It's mm. um, look, when I started the business, I was hosting, yeah, I'd hosted a bunch of 100, 200 person events in the past, but when I was hosting the first 1,000 person event, I was looking around for technology and I just couldn't find anything that was either affordable or good. Um, and like I said, you know, events are so stressful that you just, 
you can't take that on. So I ended up building my own very lightweight solution for the specific purpose I needed and, uh, and ran with that. And that's been our area of focus since then. So it's a big part of our culture uh, and how we deliver and how we support our customers. And we've just really put that, you know, we host events ourselves as an event company, you know, obviously using our own product. Anytime that there is an area that's a point of frustration, something that can be done better, quicker, we have a bunch of Slack channels where we just like identify these things immediately. We put them into Jira and we get them addressed. And uh, that's been the sole mission of the company for the past couple of months. And it worked. Yeah, you, well, clearly you did something right. Yeah. I mean, no, that's a, that's a really incredible achievement. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second, but first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.einblick.co for more information. You brought this up earlier on in the conversation, but you know there's that um, there's that saying that the fortune is in the follow-up. Unfortunately, follow-up from events have this uh, notoriety to them, right? Like, cause it's, it's always the salespeople trying to like pitch slap you after attending the conference and like, let's jump on a 15 minute call. And there was something that you said in our previous conversation, which I thought was so spot on, because again, it goes back to uh, personalization in the follow-up. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, so, so there's two qualms I have when it comes to follow-up. Right. The first of which is that I'm so frustrated of seeing events that have no CTA at the end of them. Like every event should have a call to action. And if you can't come up with what your call to action should be, your call to action should be getting people to sign up for your next event, right? Do it when they're gung-ho and the energy's there and they're excited. Give them a huge discount. They're going to become your biggest advocate. So that's point number one. That should happen at the end of the event and during the event. The second is which you had just asked about, which is the post-event follow-up, but that post-event follow-up shouldn't start post-event. It should start during the event and it should be queued up in advance. So I'll use an example here, uh, more related to virtual events, but if, for example, you're hosting, say, a five-hour virtual event and you've got uh, folks who are attending the first session, you notice that they bookmark sessions in the afternoon, there's a speaker whose profile they've checked out three times, XYZ, whatever it may be, you should have sequences queued up that are ready to go to re-engage those folks throughout the day because the reality is you're going to get drop-off. People are busy, meetings come up, they get a call on Slack, whatever it might be, you need to be ready to go and be able to click a button and get those people re-engaged back into the experience because all of that additional information and engagement is going to go into your post-event follow-up. And this goes back to what I was saying before with the example of HubSpot if you're a multi-product company, for example, or even if you're rolling out a new feature, there's a massive opportunity here to understand what exactly your attendees are engaging in and then feed that information into your CRM to cross-reference it to see if that functionality is an area of opportunity for that particular customer. And that comes to using engagement metrics from within your event platform, basically building scoring systems in your event platform based on the criteria that you want to look at. And this doesn't just have to be in a virtual event setting. This is very much the case for in-person events as well. And that's where we're seeing technology play a much bigger role. Uh, mobile app adoption for in-person events is 3x what it was in 2019. 
Uh, it's an industry stat, not, you know, not just, not just what we're seeing. But what that means is that you have access to understand everybody who's checking into a session, how they're interacting during the session. Are they asking questions? Are they participating in polls? All of this additional information that you have at your disposal now needs to be parsed and deciphered. And it doesn't have to be a huge lift. You just have to have the structure and system in place to understand how you want to do it. And you do that once and it becomes a repeatable motion that you can use going forward for every event. And a lot of it can be automated. No, those are some really great points. And I think uh, it was something you said earlier, like keeping them engaged is also part of the challenge, right? Because there's so Absolutely. much. There's so much noise out there, and you know, during all these events, I mean, I I I participated um, in organizing events in the past as well. There's so much going on, there's so many moving parts, and how, how do you how do you keep everybody focused, right? Um, and that's that's the first thing. The second thing is uh, something uh, another guest of mine uh, said a couple of months ago, and it was basically like he's noticed um, that people are getting back into the same bad habits when it comes to organizing events. Have you seen any of that going on? More so with the return to in-person events. Right. It's, yeah, it, there, there's certainly been a regression to going back to just the way things were. And frankly, I, I consider it quite unfortunate because there was so much progress made. That said, there's a lot of organizations that are taking the transferable skills that they've learned from hosting virtual events and using those with in-person. And a lot of this does come down to how you're structuring your follow-up, how you're structuring your event design, and how you're accessing and using that information, not just post-event, but in real time during the event, because that's, that's the number one thing that you can do to optimize that experience. And there's just so much information that people are, uh, they're not ready to act on because they're not thinking about it in advance. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, what are some major trends or market shifts? And you spoke about some of them, but what are some other ones that you've seen that could impact events and how data from an event is used to drive revenue growth? Yeah. So uh, two questions there. In terms of major market trends, we've obviously seen this shuffle back in person events. I mean, we've all been cooped up at home for a while now. There's Zoom fatigue, et cetera. People want to get back in person. I'll caveat that and say that the people that want to get back in person are the people that were going to in-person events in the first place. And there's a massive accessibility gain that comes from virtual events. There's an entire audience that was frankly neglected because there's a lot of people who don't feel comfortable walking into a ballroom and not knowing anybody, not knowing how to start a conversation, what to do with their hands or whatever else it might be. And virtual gave them that safety net, that level of comfort that allowed them to start participating and engaging. And I really hope that uh, we continue to think about how to build accessibility into our event design, whether it be in person or, or virtual. Another trend that we're seeing, uh, obviously we've had this shift back to in-person, but with the rising cost of energy, rising cost of transportation, hospitality, there was a big shift uh, workforce shift out of the hospitality sector, you're now competing for budget in a much greater way. And it's becoming very expensive to host those in-person events, especially if you're not going to get the same level of attendance. So with that and what's going on in the economy, there's a lot of folks who are, are rethinking their event strategy and shifting more heavily back to virtual events. Uh, we're seeing that in a lot of 
a lot of our customers programming and a lot of the conversations that we're having. Uh, but the other thing is just to take a step back and look at digital marketing on the whole. Over the past two years, we've seen Apple's war with Facebook, Google tagging in, uh, all with the, the shift towards the reduction in third-party cookie tracking. A lot of people have heard the term cookie-less future. What that means is that first-party data becomes immensely more important. And just for a quick recap of you know, the tiers here, so, so first-party data is information that I've gathered because of something I've done. I've hosted an event, people registered, I own that information. Second-party data, you host an event, I'm an exhibitor or a speaker, you share some information with me, but ultimately you own it. It's not publicly accessible information though. And then third-party data is information that anybody can access, anyone can buy, you know, maybe it's Zoom info of Ambora or it's running ads on Google or, or LinkedIn, right? That third-party data has diminished in value. So as we think about the mechanisms we have in order to capture first-party data, you know, we've always had things like white papers and ebook downloads, but going back to the idea of vanity metrics, you're talking about a point in time interaction that somebody had, and that is the depth of the information you have. You know that this person might have downloaded that paper, but that's it. It's PDF. You don't know how much they read. You don't know what they care about. You don't know what they did with it. In the world of events, you have folks who are willing to give up their time, their money, their registration data, and their tracking, all in exchange for access to your content in your community. And the organizations that are, are realizing that and acting on that are creating a massive moat for themselves because of the depth of first-party data that they have that allows them to build personalized campaigns and really turn those relationships into a much more human conversation and human relationship, empowering the marketing team and the sales team in the way that they interact with customers and prospects. Just give me a second here. <laughs> like, <laughs> whoever is listening to this conversation will probably have to rewind this part because what you just said, I think is super important. Um, this has been probably like the fifth time that somebody's brought up the importance of first party data. And I'm hoping that in future, more people are going to continue to bring it up because that's, that's just how much airtime that topic really deserves, not just in, not just with events, but just in marketing in general, right? The first party data. Incredible, incredible. All right. Um, you touched on some of these already earlier, but like uh, talk to us about some specific metrics. And I know it really depends on um, the situation and so forth, but what are some specific metrics that marketers should be paying attention to when it comes to the event attribution gap? Yeah. So. The other thing to consider when you're thinking about that is your, the marketing impact of your event does not start with the person registering. It starts with the number of impressions that you're getting from sharing the fact that you're even hosting that event in the first place. The fact that you're able to bring in these thought leaders to speak, to be on panels, to emphasize whatever mission it is that your brand is, is driving towards. So understanding and being able to track at the first level, the impressions that you're getting, if it's a brand related event, you can start with that. Once you're started uh, more into the fold of the actual event experience, yeah, I mean, then we're looking at things, yes, attendance, registration, but what we really care about is how engaged are folks. And the way that we're measuring engagement, we have engagement scores that are calculated within our platform, but they're taking into consideration things like the number of sessions somebody watched, 
how long they watched that session, how involved were they during that particular session, be it participation in chat, polling, Q&A, were they networking with other attendees throughout that? Were they interacting with sponsors and exhibitors? Were they coming back and watching the content or sharing the content? So it's really understanding how engaged that person is and then what it is that they were engaged in. And just to keep things from being too overwhelming, what I would suggest doing is bucketing your engagement into a couple of different categories. So understand uh, areas of focus and then drive your, your marketing messaging from that categorization. So it might be that you've got different tracks if you're running uh, events that have simultaneous content, understand the engagement within each of those different tracks, understanding that people are gonna cross different, different tracks and engage in different types of session. But then it gives you a starting point to build a campaign around that's not so overwhelming. You, know, you might have 50 sessions throughout the duration of your two-day event, but you're not gonna be able to create 100 different campaigns to go out. Even if it's just three, you can use this to build that segmentation, that audience, and, um, and really drive a much more targeted message that way. One of the other things that uh, we see a lot of organizations measuring these days is repeat attendance from one event to the next, uh, and then also repeat sponsorship. One interesting statistic we've seen is, uh, is the percentage of sponsors that originated from initially participating in a virtual event. And um, uh, this is another interest, uh, industry stat, but 35% of, of in-person event sponsors in uh, year to date in 2022 originated because they sponsored a virtual event for that brand. So it's a great way as you're thinking about, even if you're an organization that hadn't been hosting events in the past, you're thinking about developing that event program, start with a series of virtual events, say, hey, I'm gonna do three events or five events or one a quarter, whatever it might be. I'm gonna use this as an opportunity to get sponsors in the door, build a following an audience. And then when you make that investment to host that flagship in-person event, you launch it. And on day one, you've already got hundreds or thousands of people registered. Yeah, well, those are some really great insights. And I think it's also going back to what you were saying earlier, um, that the events industry as such has really like evolved to the point where it's finally like introduced more of the digital aspect of it. So there is, a, if I may use that term, O2O, right? So um, there's there's ways to like uh, measure results now um, that, you know, maybe five or 10 years ago, what wasn't even possible. Right. And events are becoming a part of the MarTech stack, the right. data stack, right? We've also seen the, the increased adoption of RevOps and marketing ops within organizations. Mm -hmm. um, there's a bunch of great communities for that to check out. And yep. you know, like the, the MoPros organization, I'm in the Slack community there. Every, every day, there's multiple people talking about how events are part of their marketing stack and how to manage that data flow, as there should be. And when you're talking about something that's a quarter of your marketing spend, there has to be. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. We get to this next question about a status quo that you passionately disagree with and why. Off you go. Yeah. There's been a big emphasis on event technology platforms providing a studio, a production studio, so that the event organizers, the people at the company can do production and add a higher degree of quality to the output. 
I am all for delivering a higher quality of output, but the reality is you're going to spend hours learning how to do this and you're going to get a marginally better result than whatever, you know, a standard webinar look and feel is. Don't waste your time. Your time, especially as you're gearing up for an event, is worth far more than finding an expert to do the live production so that you can focus on the things that you need to be focused on during the event. And the reality is you're gonna get a far better quality output in a world where we are competing for everybody's attention. You're competing against TikTok and Netflix every minute of the day. You have to have that production grade content, especially for your keynotes. And that investment is repurposable. When you go to, to use that content for your follow-up campaigns, your social media campaigns, et cetera, it's already polished and ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. Uh, making the uh, content uh, per se a little bit more evergreen. So it has a longer shelf life even after the event is done. Right. And I say that from the perspective of an event technology company yeah. where we have that studio, the production functionality built into our platform. Mm. But the reality is a full-time video producer mm -hmm. is going to be better at it. Sure. Sure. I mean, I think also in, in another aspect of the world of marketing, they, they would call something like that, like integrated marketing communications, right? They put everything under one roof and yeah. <laughs> there's, there's not so much uh, specialization there. It's more like a generalist approach, right? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your uh, insights and expertise with the listeners. So uh, quick intro to yourself and how folks out there can get in touch with you. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's John Kazarian. Uh, also on Twitter, we, um, you know, I mentioned our, our chat support before. So we respond in 30 seconds, head over to the website, excelevents.com, A-C-C-E-L events. If we don't respond in 30 seconds, find me on LinkedIn. Let me know. Fantastic. Jonathan, it's been an absolute pleasure. So uh, take care, stay safe and uh, talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.